Welcome. Well, let's uh, welcome to the show here, Sports and Songs. This is episode number 33. I'm Dan, along with your host, Andy. Andy, how are you doing on this Saturday, August 1st? Happy Catterday it is. We are live on uh, on Facebook uh, for today's episode. We're going to cover a bunch of sports and, of course, songs, music, birthdays, this day in music, and a whole assortment of other things. But let's get started with some sports here. Uh, football, yeah, for, maybe? Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of sports going on. We do have a lot of stuff today. Uh, college football stuff and basketball trying to get started here again. Uh, first of all, just, uh, I heard last night... Go for basketball uh, point guard Marcus Carr has pulled out of the draft, so he will be coming back for another year. Okay. So good news for go for basketball. One more familiar face coming back. Um, go for football and uh, Bemidji State released their schedules the other day. Go for attempt to make some changes because again, conference play only. And you know they they didn't move any games around for dates, so they got that Iowa game on the third week of the season on September sixteenth. Or 18th, I'm sorry. Then they do have a bye week, and they're still doing all their games in order. They didn't switch any dates around, but they're sticking just to their conference games. Um, I don't see one listed as a homecoming game. I don't know how they're going to do that this year with no fans or limited fans. They didn't really plug one as a homecoming. But Gophers having just their regular games going all the way through. Uh, the first one, again, like I said, it be Iowa September 18th. Then uh, at Maryland, at Wisconsin, home against Michigan. At Illinois, at Michigan State, uh, home against Purdue and Northwestern, and then they end the season on the road at Nebraska. So we'll see how that season goes. Uh, Bemidji State also released their schedule. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight games. Again, limited schedule, traveling just within the area. They got their regular games. They got their homecoming game listed. Uh, senior day still listed for, for them up at Bemidji State. But we'll see how their season goes, too. I mean, they do travel to Sioux Falls. They do go to Northern States. So they do have some traveling to do. Uh, the road games also include uh, Duluth, Minnesota Duluth, and Concordia St. Paul. Uh, they'll be home against Augustana, Minot State. will be their homecoming game August 3rd. August 17th against uh, Morehead. Minnesota, uh, Southwest Minnesota on Halloween, which will be senior day for them. Uh, so the, the Beavers are getting ready for football. Um, and you can find all that stuff out on their on the school websites more depth on their scheduling um one more thing about uh, the, the ccha hockey and the nsic where the beavers play like we mentioned last week university of st thomas has joined the big boys division one for sports and they will be playing in the same conference with bemidji state for hockey um released from st thomas is uh the central collegiate hockey association board of directors has voted unanimously to welcome st thomas university the league's eighth as the league's eighth program beginning in the 21-22 season. So not this fall, but next fall, you'll see them all in there. Um, so that's pretty exciting to see them in there. St. Thomas pretty good school. Small school, but tough school for sports. Um, very rarely do you see, if at all, someone go from Division Three to straight to Division One, um, Especially a school as small as St. Thomas making that jump. But just shows how good their, their sports teams are. They can make the jump. There is some teams that play Division Two for one sport, Division One for the other. They go back and forth. But St. Thomas is going in a they're going to the deep end of the pool, head first, um, Division One. Now, more of the story says uh, St. Thomas will join other Big Ten members like the University of Minnesota, 
And so the second Division One team out of the state of Minnesota, so that'd be kind of exciting. But you say, but wait, Andy, Minnesota Duluth plays Division One hockey. Hockey's kind of one of those sports you got guys Division Two to Three for football, but they play WCHA or NCAA hockey. So that's kind of the hockey's kind of the exception to the rule. A lot of stuff they they count them as a major sport, but not really on some things because there's so many different brackets for them. Um, it's not a rip on hockey. It's not good, better, and different. Just the levels are so different. Uh, as you know, like with Bemidji State, they played hockey against Alabama for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> so you had some interesting things there going on. But so welcome St. Thomas up to the the big kid classes here next not this season but this following season twenty one twenty two. We'll see how that goes. That should be exciting. Um, getting back to the Gophers in the Big Ten, there was an interesting story out of Iowa this week. Um, the football program. Everybody knows Iowa football program. Um, if you've ever watched the game on TV from Iowa, they got the children's hospital there, and they all wave at the kids at the hospital after the first quarter, and the kids all wave back. Very great tradition. Decent program. I've, until this week, I'd never heard a bad thing about Iowa, except that they're Iowa. You know, standard <laughs> ripping jokes. We always have Gophers and Iowa stuff. But it came up this week that the strength coach for the University of Iowa had some racial issues with black players. Um, and Kurt Frenzen, the coach of Iowa, is the longest tenured coach in the Big Ten, so he's been there a while. Kind of like when you look back at the Joe Paterno years ago with Penn State. All that stuff went on. They all went and blamed Papa Joe going, well, you're the head coach, you should know this. Head coach has assistants for a reason to delegate down. The assistant comes back and says everything's good, and no one says anything different. How's the coach to know anything different? It's like your job. If department managers are telling the head manager everything's good, how does he know he, if an employee's having issues but they don't go to the head boss, he don't know any different? This is the same thing here. I really believe the head coach here, just like I believe Papa Joe with Penn State. He probably didn't know this was going on because no one came and said anything to him. And if he didn't know and he hit it all this time, Shame on him, but it's hard to believe that it went on this long, no one said anything. But then again, in the wake of all the stuff going on today, again, like you said, we're trying to get, get too political. All the stuff going on today, I think people find us that that's it. it the, the elephant's in the room, let's talk about it. They did. Uh, coach put out a, a, a statement basically saying, in short, um, it's an important time for me and my tenure in our program. Uh, this review begins face-to-face with allegations of uneven treatment where our culture is mentioned unfortunately caused by many black players and feel that they are unable to show up as their athletic or for their athletic selves now and he goes on and coach basically says he's talked to ex-players since then and they've all agreed with what's been going on now going yeah coach this ain't right and uh, Coach Frenzel goes on, and this is where I got a lot of respect for him. He takes blame for it. He basically said, I'm the head coach. This is my fault. Um, you got to respect the coach that's going to do that. Even though he probably was blindsided by a lot of this, too. Um, he is taking what he says here. Uh, as a coach, it was my first and primary responsibility to teach. However, it is important to know that when the teacher must become the student. I thought that was a pretty cool quote from him on there. Um, where he's basically saying he's learning about this too. They're, they're teaching him now what's been going on. Um, one of my, he said, he goes on to say, in my one-on-one discussions with dozens of former players, 
I've appreciated their candor and willingness to help improve the program. I am grateful for the confidence they have in me to lead this football program forward. So no one's asking for Coach's job yet. They're okay with what he's doing. He's taking it, issue it in the hand. Um, And here's the part where I get bothered bothered by it. I'm not bothered by the fact that strength coach got strength strength coach got released or fired or whatever term you want to use. He was given his million dollar buyout. You get fired from a job for doing something like this at your job. They make sure you, you maybe got your coffee cup on the way out the door. This guy got to clean out his desk, grab a few shirts and sweatpants for all I know, and an extra million dollars for a buyout. Wouldn't you love to have a job where you tell off the other employees and they go, oh, sorry, here's a few years' salary on the way out the door. That's basically what's happening here in sports. At this sport, any sport year that's happening, and that's just it's kind of bothersome. Fired is fired. I don't like buyouts and contracts for sports. We'll cover that another day. But uh, go uh, college football is trying to get ready. A lot of sports are saying they're going to be pushing back the start of their fall sports. Um, like I said, the Gopher football, Bemidji State, did put out their schedules. Tentatives have changed. They haven't put any times down for these games yet. These are the dates. Uh, I haven't heard word about ticket sales or anything else. But we'll see. Uh, the way it's going right now in our state, we can't even go to VWs and watch the game. So we'll see how it's going. Um, hopefully you can get some seats there. I know uh, Korean baseball is letting 25% capacity in, I believe it is. Social distanced and masked, and you're all allowed in there. Hard to do in a football game. I just can't picture a game up in Michigan that holds 100,000 people. Everybody's spread out. That's going to look really goofy. But let's, let's see. We get, hope we get something going on. At least we can get bars to open up again where we can go watch the games there. Um, we get wear our colors and have food that's really bad for us and drink lots of beer, just like we would at the game. Um, probably be almost cheaper. But that's... College sports, in a nutshell, what there is what I got, Dan. We'll take a break and come back some uh, with some NASCAR wrestling and baseball. Awesome. All righty, we're back. You want to talk some wrestling, maybe? All-star wrestling? NASCAR? Some stuff I put on the Facebook page this week that you probably saw, uh, Nick Aldis, NWA champion, put a video out kind of ripping on WWE, uh, so the rest of us have been lately, about their lack of stuff. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but Nick Aldis, the reason I bring that up, you know, he said he'll never go to WWE, this, that, the other thing, never say never. Or lots of guys say they never go back or go there and, and keep going. But I believe Nick Aldis, when he says he'll never go there, um, he's made his money, he's done his thing. I think he's got a lot of pride on his hands. Um, he's got a good career. He's banked his money. He's got the family started. I can see when the time comes, he'll just say, see you bye. But the reason I bring up Nick Holtz in the NWA, uh, three guys, former NWA wrestlers, uh, Ricky Starks and Mad King Eddie Kingston have shown up in TNA lately, or I'm sorry, AEW lately. Uh, and Ziggy Dice, who was the TV champion in NWA, has left the company, which they now list that title as vacated. Um, NWA is Atlanta-based. Uh, those of you in our age group remember watching uh, Superstation TBS at 6.05, watching uh, 
wrestling down there with Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and all those guys down there. Same NWA, just bought now, bought by uh, William Patrick Corgan, or as you know, Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins owns him. Uh, he goes by William Patrick when he's talking about wrestling stuff, I think, just so people don't think it's a rock and roll type of situation. Uh, anyway, he worked really hard to buy that company, and he has said it is not for sale. It is his. They're working their way back to try to see what they can do. Their shows the last, well, you never saw their old shows the last couple of years. It's the old studio wrestling. Kind of like the way we used to watch AWA wrestling when we were kids growing up, where there's 50 people sitting there watching and no entrance songs, no pyro, just you come up behind a curtain and you wrestle. Basically, like an independent show. A lot of the guys liked it, though. That's, they enjoyed it. Every wrestler I've, ta- I've heard talk about it, they enjoyed that set. Um, so he's saying it's not for sale, but now got AEW from that. Is AEW helping fund this, or do the guys just have open contracts or? Hey, we're not wrestling here. Can we go wrestle there to stay in shape? Maybe. I would love to see the two organizations work together. I don't want to say make NWA your minor league, if you will, for AEW, but make it your minor league. Um, WWE has their NXT, which is their training center. Um, but the sad part is with NXT, when you come with the WWE, they change your character and everything else, and you're not the same person. If these two groups can work together, AEW and NWA work together, let guys come back and forth, maybe on pay-per-views, you could have certain matches, supercars type of deal once a year, that'd be kind of neat. As a wrestling fan, that would be neat. Um, guys who are coming up want to work their way up, great. Don't use it as a minor league, but let guys wrestle between back and forth. That would be kind of exciting, I think, to see. That's my opinion. Um, but like I said, Billy Corgan has said there, NWA is not for sale. They had a YouTube show going for a while. They did different stuff. I haven't seen anything new in about six weeks, five, six weeks. So, don't know. Hopefully, they're uh, working on something. That's so If you keep seeing other names pop up, go, hey, that name sounds familiar. Probably because you heard it in NWA. Um, that's what I got on, on wrestling. Dan, did you go to any of the uh, town ball games this week in the playoffs? Yeah, for, uh, here, let's see here. Uh, I went to two. Two of the games here for for Town Ball, Minnesota Amateur Baseball. Both were Crow River Valley games. Uh, went to Brownton. Uh, never been to that stadium before. Saw Brownton take on Mayer, game two of their best of three series, and that was a good one. Uh, Brownton won three to one, which is going to force a game three on Sunday. Sunday, 2 p.m. is game three. So what they do for this first round format is is have the top 10 teams, top, let's see, I think there's uh, 13, uh, 13 teams. And so the first two teams receive a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, seeded number one is Waconia Lakers. Seed number two is Winstead. And after that, uh, they play a best of three series, home, away, and then home for the top seeded team. Winner of the series advances to an eight-team tournament, which starts next week. That's going to be a double elimination. Uh, the first rounds is best of three series. And so what that is, it, it's, it thins out, gets those extra six teams out of there. Six advance, along with the two teams that got the bye. So now you've got a nice even eight, which start the actual section playoffs. And game one and two are complete uh, now for all of this. And only... 
two teams will be pay, playing a game three. The others were decided on series two games to zero. Uh, Sunday, game three will be number nine seed Mayer at Brownton for their deciding game. Uh, Brownton is an eight seed. Mayer is the nine seed. So that's a good good matchup. That's the game that I saw. That's a good evenly matched game. Elimination game now. Once again, loser goes home, winner advances. The second game is number 11, Glencoe. is going to be at Green Isle. Uh, Green Isle is a 6th seed, Glencoe 11 seed. Loser of that game on Sunday, 2 o'clock, goes home, done for the season. Winner will advance. Uh, last night I went to the Col- Cologne Hollanders ball game. They took on St. Saint, uh, Bonifacius, and that was a 12 to nothing final in seven innings uh, there, and they went on to sweep both those games. St. Bonnie now done. Those are the two games I went to. What I'm planning to do on Sunday, Sunday's game, 2 o'clock, is to go to that Green Isle game and report on that uh, and do a, do a midweek show um, on maybe live, I'm not sure. We'll put that out there at the midweek. Then the, what we'll have then for the Crow River Valley League is the bracket set up the dates, times, and locations of those following games that are going on. Once we get to the state, um, we'll be going. Uh, we'll be reporting that on that as well. Now, one last update on the state, Andy. As you remember, New Ulm City Council voted five to zero to not host any games in the city of New Ulm at all uh, due to the Corona COVID nineteen situation pandemic. They said we're not going to host it at all. Well, the other site is Springfield. Springfield, Minnesota says, "Well, we don't, we don't care what New Ulm does. That, that's fine. We're we're still hosting our piece, so don't take it away from us." Because there was some talk to push everything back a year, and then New Ulm and Springfield would get it next year. Springfield says, "No, we're we're still going to do it." And the Minnesota State Baseball Association had to come up with another site, and Milroy, small town of Milroy, took that on. So the site for the state 2020 amateur. Baseball, Class B and Class C, will be held at a dual site, Springfield and Milroy. That'll be coming up end of August and uh, wraps up on Labor Day weekend with the state tournament. But New Ulm is out, and I don't know if they're going to host, have them host again in the future. I know it's going to be in Chaska and Waconia next year. And so those two towns don't want to have anything impact their years, regardless of the COVID or not. So, yeah, I, I don't know if they, they don't. These teams, other teams that are going to sign up to host, them planned out three or four years in advance. So, I'm not sure where that's going to take us. But um, that's the latest on town ball. The I'll be following some more on the DRS league too, the River Valley League, and also the Class A. And the Class A tournaments get started quicker. They go to the state tournament quicker, and they end quicker they're done um at the end of august uh, just class b and c and that's where the real the th- real thrust of the baseball fans are in class b yeah. and c for baseball that's where the that's where the fun stuff goes on uh that's where the good stuff is it is it's uh, certainly true but that's all i've got for that all right great um i got some other baseball stuff as you heard in the following baseball week. uh the miami marlins i still slip up and call them florida marlins every now and then still but miami marlins um Start of season two and one, everybody's like, oh boy, here we go. Marlins are going to mess everything up by having a winning record. Then they get, what, half a dozen cases, dozen cases of the COVID-19 between players and coaches and everything else. Because of that, the Phillies, who they did play, 
they shut down everything. The Marlins have to shut down everything for a while. And everybody's going, well, what about these makeup games? We don't know about makeup games, how they're going to work. We didn't plan on this. They were hoping everybody would be following the rules and doing what they do. Major League Baseball has said, we're going by winning percentage at the end of the year to see who makes the playoffs. So if you have 60 games in, you have 55 games in, if you have 45 games in, we're going by winning percentage. If one of these teams has only 45 games in and they make it based on winning percentage over somebody else with 60 games, you're going to hear some uproar. Um, but, you know, but, yeah, that's the thing. The Major League Baseball has also said that if they do play doubleheaders to make up these games, there will be seven innings games for a doubleheader. Now, a lot of the players haven't been complaining about that because they just want to play and be safe and get it done with. So if they went seven innings, great for a doubleheader. Wonderful. Um, that just kind of screws everything up for a manager who says they've been managing. You've got to think differently now. It's only a seven-inning game. Well, so my starter go. Um, for the rules, if he goes four innings, is that considered enough for the win instead of five because it's only a seven-inning game? they got to make this up on the fly because these players, I'm sure, have bonuses and stuff they want to figure out too. Now, now Andy, my question, uh, my question yeah. is here, Andy, on these doubleheaders for seven innings. They didn't just pull that uh, out, of the, out of the sky. Uh, that's, that's the current college baseball does that for their doubleheaders. They play two seven-inning games, correct? Yeah. That's where yeah, they got the idea. They around for this year depending on how they start their season, and they didn't really say when they started the whole six-game schedule, they didn't have any doubleheaders in there, so they were good. They thought, well, if it's a rain out, we'll punt and see what happens. It's <laughs> one game, maybe we won't make it up. But now for the whole COVID-19, teams missing multiple games. They went to it. Players Association didn't bark at all. They said, yeah, fine, seven innings. Let's, let's go. <laughs> okay. So I guess there was a, a beef. Uh, Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs this week had on Twitter about a rain delay in Cincinnati, um, how he thought it was silly, because the visitor's clubhouse at all sporting events is a lot smaller than the home team's clubhouse. Um, kind of like, you know, the whole team, you're, you got your own little area, it's a little small palace, you're all set. You're the visiting club, you're stuck in a closet somewhere, um, you know, jammed together. And that was Anthony Rizzo's issue, with all this health stuff going on. You got all of us stuck in this little small clubhouse during a rain delay. I can kind of see his point. Why are you making us all sit here? We can make up the game later. X, Y, Z. Part of my point on it back is you don't need to sell tickets for these games because there's no fans. So if you start the game at 7 o'clock or at midnight, it's just the lights on the stadium that could be an issue for depending where your stadium is. But if you, you know you got rain coming that night and you're not worried about selling tickets and you're already there, why didn't you start the game like at noon or 2 in the afternoon and start playing if you knew it was going to be raining at 7 o'clock? And try to get a 5-6 inning game in and get it done with. Why don't they try to do that? You, I get it. they got the night games for TV and everything else, but you know what? Weather's coming. Start the game earlier. We, you're not worried about fans or tickets coming in. Get it going. Get it done. Um, and, and I guess that's the way it is. Is These guys want to play the season. They want to get it done. But they want to be safe and healthy too, which I understand. But, like I said, let's, let's take advantage. How many of us have seen the weather so that it's going to rain tonight and you end up still having a barbecue outside because it doesn't rain? I get it. You can't bank on that. But if that's what information you got, you got to go with. 
go with it. If they say it's going to be raining at 5 o'clock, and 8 o'clock, then move that game up and start it. Or if no one else has travel issues, just tell everybody to stay at your hotel or start the game later. And it's going to be a 5 inning game or a 7 inning game instead. Or start at 9 o'clock. Great. Let's get the games in. I'd rather hear the beef of teams missing or making the playoffs going, well, they only played a bunch of 8 inning games or 7 inning games. Instead of the fact that they didn't play all the games. Take what you can get. I know last night, after seven in, after six innings, all time now for every Mets game, I'm praying for rain if they're ahead. Their bullpen stinks. <laughs> so I'm praying for rain every Mets game they have to lead after six innings. But uh, Buster Olney from ESPN had this on his Twitter. Major League Baseball continues to try to move forward with games and it is the expectation with lots of teams, or expectation with a lot of teams. They shouldn't worry about the integrity of the 60-game schedule. If some teams play 55 games, others play 59 or 60, just go by winning percentage. And that's the way they did it in the 81 strike-shortened season. Um, happened in the middle of the year, so it kind of split season, but it was based on winning percentage. And you know, a lot of people are saying asterisks by your team this year. I look at it this way. Everybody's playing by the same rules. They get it. Um, so I don't think there should be an asterisk by it at all. Like, Someone who has 45 games and you got 60 and you don't make it by winning percentage, win your games, man. Don't bank it on everybody else losing to make the playoffs. You make the playoffs based on how many you win, not based on how many the other guy lost. So just win your games. Um, that's my baseball NASCAR stuff coming up. Sunday, the New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the Foxwoods Resort 301, um, 301 laps. 118.46 miles. The track is like 1.05 something miles. It's New Hampshire. I don't get it. It's either a mile or a mile and a quarter or two miles. I hate these odd number ones. 301, I get it. It's 301 laps. And that's the one they want NASCAR. But I remember. Well, they want 301 miles. No, it's 301 laps. 318 miles. The Daytona 500 is 500 miles. Some of these races, 500 or 400. It's on a two-mile track. Well, no one wants to watch a race that's called only the 200. Why, why would I watch something that small? Those 200 laps, 500 miles. This, it's kind of a different number. Makes it a little fun. 301. Uh, there's some races that you, the Aaron's 499. There's something a little different. Kind of a trickery in naming to get your attention. Uh, NASCAR is still going out with their season course. They've had some fans. I believe this race will not have any fans at it. Depends on your state-by-state state laws and regulations. Um, again, not getting political on it, but it's a state-by-state state thing, not a NASCAR thing. So if you watch this race, you go, there's no fans there. What's NASCAR doing now? Their hands are tied. They will know what the state says. Um, watch your points for NASCAR this week. Um, like we kind of covered before, the way they do their scoring. You win, you're in. If not, you got to give so many points based on it. Two guys are still kind of fighting for those last few spots, so it should be kind of interesting. Um, if you crash early, you're out, you don't finish the race. That's why you see a lot of guys come in, they'll crash maybe early in the race, their cars are all mangled up. They go to the shop, and they come back out, and you see the guys, he's 40 laps behind. What's he doing? Building up points. So you get points based on how many laps you finish, uh, how you finish in the race. If you come back out there, and you can milk it out, and you get or 250 of the 300 laps done, the guy who crashed on lap 20 never finishes. You got more laps in than him. You 
You have more points than him. That's what matters. Um, so the points matter. Some of them might have to do a sponsorship, too. But how much are they getting paid for being out there? Seeing that little sponsor going around the track. Let's get that name out there. It's a good time for them all to practice, too. Hey, what happens with our pit crew if we try these guys on the pit change? They might try stuff, too. It's kind of a practice. But you'll see a lot of those guys when they're out there, they're playing it real safe. They're not getting in the way of traffic. They see other guys trying to come by. They move down, let them all pass. They're not trying to fight for position. They get it. Their car is wrecked. They're out there. But NASCAR this weekend, uh, Foxwoods Resorts will be Sunday, uh, 2 o'clock, Minnesota time here in Central Time Zone. We'll be on NBCSN. Uh, that's coming up. And also, the NHL has started up again. Uh, the Wild play Sunday night at 9.30 Minnesota time. Again, NBCSN, uh, Fox Sports North, Fox Sports Wisconsin, and NHL TV. They'll be playing the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they hated Vancouver Canucks. Uh, part of their five-game set, there's two different cities in Canada that are playing for hub cities, so they kind of go back and forth for different arenas, so there's some travel time. Uh, their games are Sunday, and they play again Tuesday the 4th, Thursday and Friday the 6th and 7th, and then Sunday the 9th. So the Wild schedule coming up for that. So good luck to the Wild and NHL and their their bubbles they got going on there, and their games are continuing. I've heard no issues from our friends on the ice going over it. With COVID testing, they're all good so far. Uh, baseball's had their issues. Hopefully they can get figured out. Yoga saying, oh, baseball's messed up. That's baseball screwed it all up. No, Florida Marlins. Or, I'm sorry, Miami Marlins screwed it all up. Um, I just heard now that the Cardinals were in town here playing the Twins, and now they got some people testing. I don't know how it's going to affect us. We haven't canceled any games yet, but the Brewers-Cardinals game last night was postponed. I don't know how they're taking care of all of that. We shall see. We shall see. I haven't heard anything on there. That's all I got in sports. Did you have anything else, Dan, for... <clears throat> nope. 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 That's all that I had. All right. All righty. Now it's time in the segment to to uh, go to the this day in sports, this day in history, this day in music, birthdays, and whatnot. What have you got, Andy? Are you there, Andy? Hello, are you there, Andy? I am here, sir. What have we got for uh what have we got for this week in music history, sports history, and birthdays coming up next? Stuff. July 27th will be the first day of our calendar. 1953. Dizzy Dean, Al Simmons, Chief Bender, and Bobby Wallace, Harry Wright, Ed Barrow, Billy Crown, and Todd Connolly are inducted in that. We mentioned him a few weeks ago. Okay. Put that in there. 1988. Baseball star Tommy John commits a record three errors on one play. Because <laughs> uh, the Yankees are routed by the Brewers 16 3. We did have that up on our Facebook page. So you can see the three errors there. It's not a pretty sight, but they're, they're on there. 
1992, Houston Astros began a 26-game road, stri- road trip because the National uh, Republican National Convention was to be held in the Astrodome. The Houston Astros were on a 26-game road trip. Jeez. Yeah, so we'll see how that works out next time for everybody. Um, and then in 1996, um, there was that, the Atlanta Park bomb explosion where one was killed and 110 injured. Uh, we uh, saw the movie on the guy uh, last couple years. That was pretty good. But um, yeah, so that bomb explosion in 1996 already that was from the Atlanta Olympics. Birthdays, 1939, July 27th. Irv Cross of uh, CBS Sports. Born in Hammond, Indiana. Irv Cross, there he is. I remember him as a kid watching the NFL Today. Oh, yes. Brent Musburger and uh, Phyllis George. Oh, yes. And Jimmy the Greek. Phyllis George. Uh, Irv Cross is, was employed as an analysis commentator for CBS Sports in 71 when he became the first African-American to work full-time as a sports analyst on national television in 1994. In addition to his work at CBS... NFL coverage, including co-anchoring the NFL Today um, from 75 through 89. Irv Cross works on NBA basketball, track and field, gymnastics, and various other things. Uh, also, if you look it up, he'd do the sports updates on weekends in between shows. He'd go, hey, here's what scores some college basketball updates and that. He served as the athletic director at Idaho State University from 96 to 98. And then he was the director of athletics at McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. For six years until June of 05. He's the CEO of Big Brothers and Big Sisters, Central Minnesota, until 2010. He returned to football commentary for the Twin Cities, Fox Channel, KMSP 9. Um, in, nine in 09, he received the Pete Rosell Radio Television Award, um, given by the Pro Football Hall of Fame, recognized a long time contribution to football. I remember watching Earl Ellison, like, why is Herb Cross doing stuff for the Vikings on Channel 9 about? things, you know. Oh, he worked at McAllister, that's why. Irv Cross still sticks up every now and then. You hear him about once or twice a year. Vikings win three in a row, and then they have Irv Cross on, or it's Packer Week or something like that. They throw your Irv on there. Uh, more birthdays, 1958. Christopher Dean, um, English skater of Torval and Dean, the 84 Olympics uh, pairs. He had a birthday, 1958. 1980, Nicholas Theodore Namath, also known as Dolph Ziggler, WWE wrestler, born in 1980. Paul Michael Levesque, also known as Triple H, born in 1969. Uh, 1991, birthday, Adam Page, also known as Stephen Blake Walls of AEW, has a birthday. 1975, birthday, Alex Rodriguez, soon to be Mets owner, I hope, <laughs> has a birthday, 1975. July 28th, 1989, Dale Murphy hits two three-run home runs in one inning. 14th man to hit two home runs in an inning. Also ties the record for six RBIs in one inning. Murph, there he is. Well, kind of like Kent Herbeck with the Twins in the 80s. Early 80s. One great player on a crazy team. Uh, 1991, Dennis Martinez, El Presidente. <laughs> pitches the 13th perfect game in baseball history. 1994, Kenny Rogers, Texas Rangers pitcher, the gambler, Kenny Rogers. Throws the only perfect game in franchise history against the California Angels. Birthdays for July 28th. UFC President Dana White, 1969. 1984, I'm sorry. Zach Parisi of the Minnesota Wild was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. J.P. Parisi's kid. There he is. There's Zach. 
1989, Nicholas Lee Masai, also known as Nick Jackson, of AEW was born. Uh, the Young Bucks, the Tag Team Young Bucks. 1993, Sammy Guevara, also known as Sammy Guevara, the wrestler for AEW was born in 1993. He was one of those who were watching wrestling the other day. I had the, the wife and the daughter watching wrestling with me. And Sammy Guevara came on. Even my daughter looked at him and goes, what is he, 12? So, <laughs> yeah, we're all getting old. So welcome to old age, honey. All right, we move on. Uh, July 2nd. There wasn't much. Or, I'm sorry, July 29th. Not much going on. Um, 1986, New York jury rules the NFL violated the laws of the antitrust against the USFL. I vaguely remember that, where they awarded. There was a dollar in damages. There was three counts, so it was a total payment of three dollars the NFL had to pay out. 1998, Rick Sutcliffe steals home plate. First pitcher since Pascal Perez in 94 or in 84 to steal home base. There's big Rick Sutcliffe. Started his career with Cleveland Indians, then went to the Cubs. Um, never did like Rick Sutcliffe as a player growing up. I never liked them. Can't stand him as an announcer. I just think he's Goofy. He's just goofy. Don't like him. He is not getting a Christmas card from me. <laughs> Birthday is July 29th. 1926, Don Carter, American Pro Bowler. Six-time Bowler of the Year. First athlete to earn $1 million in a single endorsement with Evan A. Bowling Award. Was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Don Carter, I knew he was in the bowling. Evanites, when I started, I was like, the bowling ball to have because well, Don Carter used bowling. Don Carter was everything bowling back in the day. So uh, I remember the name, Don Carter, um, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Bowling Hall of Fame down there in St. Louis, urban area. Cool within the sea. 1993, Captain Lou Albano, uh, pro wrestling fame. Um, some people might remember him from the Cindy Lauper videos, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. She played her, her dad in that video. Captain Lou had the uh, rubber band on his cheek. Kind of a thing. July 30th. 1973, Texas Rangers' Jim Bibby no-hits the first place over the A's, 6-0. July 31st, 1972, Chicago infielder Dick Allen becomes only the seventh player in Major League history to hit two inside-the-park home runs in a game, both off for a July 11. It's the White Sox win over the Twins. Now, July 11 was known for giving up a ton of home runs, hanging curveball. He gave up two inside-the-parkers, so... On the same day, on the same day, yeah. no less. Yeah. By the same guy, yeah. Probably curveballs then, too. 1993, Toronto Blue Jays obtained future baseball Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson exchange for minor leaguers Steve Carsey and Jose Herrera. Um, Ricky Henderson, story I'll do real quick here. Ricky always liked to talk third person. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> Ricky later played for the New York Yankees. Then in Toronto, he played with John Olerud, who he also played with with the Yankees. John Olerud, if you don't know him, uh, from Washington State, when he was young, had to have brain surgery, so even in the field, he wore a batting helmet in the field at first base. He gets traded to the Yankees, and Ricky Henderson the Yankees, and Ricky Henderson goes up to John Olerud and goes, you know what? When I played in Toronto, I played with a guy who used to wear a batting helmet on his head, too, at first base. John Olerud said, yeah, that was me. <laughs> and the sad thing is Ricky went on to be a base coach for the Mets a coach in the Mets organization and that's why the Mets had some issues there with a few years ago 1997 Oakland A's first baseman Mark McGuire 
becomes the first Major League Baseball's top home run hitter to be traded in the middle of the season when he moves from Oakland to the St. Louis Cardinals. That was in 97. A couple years later, the whole Android thing came up, the home run thing. Did the A's know something we didn't know? And they said, see you bye. Don't know. Uh, 2007, Boston Celtics obtained former MVP and 10-time All-Star Kevin Garnett in a 7-for-1 deal with the Timberwolves. Then the NBA's biggest ever trade for one player. There's Big Kevin. Again, hopefully future owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's kind of interesting to see that happen. Birthdays, 1972. Chris Wanky, uh, college football player, Heisman Trophy winner 2000 for Florida State. Uh, went up with the Carolina Panthers afterwards. Was born in St. Paul. Interesting thing about Chris Wanky when he played. Before he went to college, he was also drafted to play baseball. So he played minor league baseball for like four years, three, four years. Then he went to college because he still had amateur eligibility left for football. Played four years at Florida State. Got the Heisman. His one year in Carolina, and I, I, I forget the year, he was a starting quarterback. They went 1-15. His one win was week one here in Minnesota against the Vikings. He beat the hometown team. <laughs> so, not, not ripping on the Vikings, but it's like, kind of neat to have your only win be against your hometown team. I thought that would be good for him. August 1st, 1941, New York Yankees pitcher Lefty Gomez sets a major league record most walks in a shutout, issuing 11 walks and a 9 to nothing win against the St. Louis Browns. 1964, Big Daddy Don Garlitz becomes the first drag racer to run a quarter mile at over 200 miles an hour, 201.34 in New Jersey. 1912, or I'm sorry, 2012, eight female badminton players are disqualified from the 2012 Summer Olympics for attempting to manipulate the draw by throwing matches. Badminton. <laughs> Again, 2012 in the Olympics. American Nathan Adrian clocks at 42 for 47.52 and winning the 100-meter freestyle gold at the London Games. His first swim in under 48 seconds. Uh, Nathan Adrian, uh, Seattle kid. Uh, my niece swam with him when she was in high school. Uh, friends of ours also know him through swimming, know the name and that, but Nathan Adrian has also swam with Michael Phelps and some of the relay teams there. So, Michael Phelps, uh, Nathan Adrian, and the other two guys. August 2nd, after a three-hour deliberation, uh, August 2nd, 1921, after three-hour deliberation, the Chicago jury acquits eight White Sox, Chicago White Sox accused of the Black Sox scandal. Next day, banned from organized baseball for life. We gotta do a special on that because I think those guys got a job. My opinion. Nineteen sixty-eight, Ron Hansen and Tim Collin, Hansen of Washington, Collin of Chicago White Sox, became the first Major League Baseball players to be traded for each other twice in the same season. <laughs> in February to the opposite in the opposite directions. So twice in one year, two guys for each other the same team. So that's kind of weird. All right, now we go into the music part. Music, birthdays, and history. July 27th, 1984. Prince stars in the film Purple Rain, a movie in which he plays as an upstart musician who clashes with his band, parallels his life story, but it's not a strict autobiography because he didn't write or direct or anything, but it's kind of mirrored his career. Nin uh, birthdays, 1962. Carl Mueller, uh, bassist for Soul Asylum, born here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
1987, the Ice-T album Rhyme Pays becomes the first hip-hop album to get a warning label for explicit lyrics. Way to go, Ice-T. 1997, after a show in Cleveland, Joe Perry quits Aerosmith and begins in a screaming match with Steven Tyler. He is replaced by Jim Crispo, who rejoins, the, and then he rejoins the band in 84. So Joe Perry left, had his little tantrum for a few years, came back. 1992, Prince trademarks the male-female symbol he has been using on various album covers and promotional material. He later redesigns the symbol and uses it as his name. And there's the documents right there, the trademark where he got he trademarked the symbol for some reason. There you go, Prince. Congratulations. He redesigned it, used it as his name for a while. I had it on a few albums. And he did change his name back to Prince at the end, but really when he was using that symbol, some of the albums he had out then were some of the better ones, I thought. Birthdays. 1954 guitarist Steve Morris is born in Hampton, Ohio. After forming the Dixie Dregs, he later joins a little group called Deep Purple in 1995. Rick Wright of Pink Floyd is born in Middlesex, England. July 29, 1978, the Grease soundtrack hits number one in the U.S. thanks to some of the songs like Yield Along Along and Crimson Summer Nights. We all know the songs. We all sang along to them. We're not proud of it. <laughs> 2015, the Eagles play the last concert with Glenn Fry. The show takes place in Louisiana final date of their History of the Eagles tour. The set features 27 songs and two encores, closing with Desperado. Founding member Fry, Fry dies six months later. The band continues to sundown uh, Deacon in his, in his place. And I've heard that he's replayed him. Um, there's been some other guys that have filled in for Glenn Fry since then. Filling in, I don't know if the Eagles really have an official replacement guy for him as they go on now. They're doing a system people of my choice, but that was that one. 1979, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers conclude their quote-unquote lawsuit tour with a show at the University Amphitheater in Los Angeles. Petty embarked on a tour to raise money for his legal battles with MCA Records. Now that's pretty cool. You're going to sue the record company, so you go on tour and call it the lawsuit tour to raise money for it. That's clever. Birthdays, 1953, Rush frontman Giddy Lee was born Giddy Lee uh, wine ring in Ontario, Canada. 1946, Neil Autry, uh, keyboards for Ariel Speedwagon, is born in Indiana. July 30th, 1991, Enter Sandman is released as a single, serving as a preview of what's to come from Metallica's Black album. With the cover done, with a cover of the duo of Queen's classic Stone Cold Crazy on the B side of that, which reaches number 16 in the Hot 100. Yeah, I didn't know that. <clears throat> so that was a Queen song, uh, Stone Cold Crazy. Yeah, that's a Queen cover, yes. Oh, interesting. I just... Queen cover? I did not know that. I love... That's one of my favorite songs. Uh, Metallica uh, is very good, but I did not know it was a cover. I always learn something new yeah. from your reports, Andy. I will turn the Queen version. It's not that different. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that today and and uh, and listen to that. That's that's interesting. Yes. Very... Homework for everybody. Listen to yes. Listen to Metallica version. Compare. Give us your comments later on. What do you thought? July 31st, 1969, Elvis Presley comes to Vegas, making his first live concert appearance since March 25th of 61. He plays at the International Hotel in Vegas. The first of 57 shows that help him re revive his career, and he earns $1.5 million. Back then, that was a, a boatload of money. 
Birthdays. In 1971, guitarist John Wayne Lowry Warren in Michigan, better known by a stage name John Five, goes on to his contributing acts such as Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, and Leonard Skinner. Um, I was born in Duluth, Minnesota. August 1st, 1981, MTV goes on the air beginning to play music videos in the masses. At least the one with cable. Hello, are you there? Did you drop off, Andy? Are you there, Andy? Yeah. You may have dropped off the last the last ten seconds. I think you dropped off. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Do the last ten seconds. Do the last ten seconds again, just just to see for the listeners. TV going on the air? Yes, yes. Uh, okay, that was 1981. Video Killed the Radio Star was their uh, first video they played. Okay. And I think it was the mid-90s they quit uh, playing videos and started going to TV shows and stuff. 2015, Rush plays their last concert, closing out the R40 live tour with a show at the Forum in L.A. It's not announced as their farewell concert, but the band has hinted that it might be. At the end of the show, drummer Neil Parrott, who we talked about a couple weeks ago, uncharacteristically comes out to the front of the stage to take a bow with the band leaves. So, you look up that old video, you see pictures of it, that's history right there. Birthdays. we got a list of them here. Uh, quite the cast of characters for these birthdays for this day. 1963, artist Leon Epi Jr., also known as Coolio, is born in California. He gets a stage name when a friend sees him playing guitar and says, who do you think you are? Julio Iglesias. <laughs> Nineteen sixty rapper Chuck D of Public Enemy is born. Carlton Douglas Rindauer in Queens, New York. Nineteen fifty-nine, Joe Elliott of Def Leppard is born in South Yorkshire, England. Nineteen fifty-three, blues guitarist Robert Cray is born in Georgia. Nineteen fifty-one, guitarist Tommy Bolan of Deep Purple and the James Gang is born in Sioux City, Iowa. Come back here uh, for the album of the week album review coming up next. 
Well, that is the uh, song in the background is God Smack Keep Away. And the reason I picked that is the is the album this week is God Smack. The self-titled album God Smack. Uh, and so, let me get me up here, get Weird Al out of the way there. And so what we've got here is uh, Godsmack album, 1998, and good stuff, uh, good stuff. So let's start off with their album. Godsmack, on their album, this is their debut, Godsmack injects modern metal with a menacing swagger, ill-tempered howler Sully Erna has nothing but malice for those who cross his path while the band dish out seriously pugnacious performances. Numerous cuts, including Moon Baby, come encased in new metal samples, ominously processed vocals, and saber-toothed funk. But as Bad Religion proves, Godsmack frequently shifts into grungy hard rock with minimal effects. The Boston Bruisers also flirt with Middle Eastern sounds on Voodoo, which boasts Erna's deep, sinister moan and a trance-inducing groove. And so, the Godsmack debut album by Godsmack. The album was initially paid for by the band and released as All Wound Up before the band signed Universal Records and Republic Records. It was mastered at Sterling Sound in New York City. It differs from All Wound Up by splitting the song Get Up, Get Out into two tracks, into the portion being retitled Someone in London, while the song Going Down was removed. Going Down later appeared on the band's second major album called Awake, along with another song left off the self-titled album called Bad Magic, which appears on the um, next album called Awake. This was released August 25, 1998, it's called new metal or alternative metal, uh, but it's very very hard rock. It's very different, and but they've got their own sound. The singles released were "Whatever," "Keep Away." That's a song that I played here on the during the break. Was "Keep Away." The song "Voodoo" was released next, and then "Bad Religion." Now. The album caused some controversy due to its profane lyrics and liner notes contain a Wiccan pentagram and reference to Salem witches, minus a parental advisory warning label. After listening to his son's copy of the album, a father in the U.S. complained to the store Walmart, who sold him the album, that the lyrics were offensive. Walmart and Kmart took the album off the shelves. The band and its recording label later added a parental advisory sticker to the album, and some stores offered amended copies of the album. Sully Erna commented on the album on the situation to Rolling Stone magazine by saying, Our album has been in the marketplace for more than a year now without a parental advisory sticker, and this is the one and only complaint. Stickers and lyrics are by nature subjective. We have decided to put a sticker on the record. The controversy did not hurt album sales, but according to Erna, helped stating it's almost taunting kids to go out and get the record to see what we're saying on it. And so once again, you throw the album, the sticker on there, the parental advisory, and it actually sells better. This actually helped them. This debut album went four times platinum. Four times platinum. Um, Huge. 
Here's the track listings. Song one is Moon Baby. Song two, Whatever. Song three, Keep Away. Song four, Time Bomb. Five, Bad Religion. Six, Immune. Seven is Somewhere in London. That's an instrumental by Tony Rombola, the guitarist. Two-minute instrumental. Song eight is Get Up, Get Out. Song nine, Now or Never. Song 10, Stress. Song 11, Situation. And then song 12 is the song Voodoo. But it also includes the hidden track called Witch Hunt that begins at the 6 minute 40 second segment of that song. Here's the personnel. Sully Erno on vocals. Uh, I've seen these guys perform one time in concert. He's also a very good harmonica player. Sully Erna. Tony Rombola, the lead guitarist. Robbie Merrill played bass. And I'm going to bring up a section on Tony Rombola. Tony Rombola, the guitarist, is a self-taught guitarist. He first picked up a guitar at age 11. According to his father, the first song Tony learned was a song by Black Sabbath. And his introduction to rock music was the album Led Zeppelin III. He was playing in a cover band in Massachusetts that played a lot of covers from Alice in Chains and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, they'd figure he'd be the perfect fit for this band. Now, the interesting thing is here with Godsmack, that's taken from a song from Alice in Chains called Godsmack. A lot of their music sounds like, uh, in some of the reviews, uh, sounds like a cross between uh, Alice in Chains and... Let's see. I had it up. I may have lost it. They've got kind of that sound. Uh, they they were very heavy Boston uh, in the Boston, Massachusetts area, not the band Boston, but they've been they've been around for a while. They also played a lot of college univer. They were more of a university band as well. But once they got recording and got the song "Keep Away" and whatever, both which helped the band sell many, many copies of their, of their album. Certified four times platinum. Loudwire magazine named Godsmack as one of the top 10 hard rock albums of 1998. So these guys have been around. Um, good stuff. They went on to perform many, many years. In fact, they're still in existence right now. They've got a live album out, an acoustic album out, an EP album out, and some others. But uh, very interesting. They uh, Their influence, here it is, their influence is Sully Erna, the lead singer, cited that Lane Staley was his primary influence. Uh, Lane Staley from Alice in Chains. So it's got very much that sound of it. Godsmack has been described as new metal, heavy metal, post-grunge, hard rock, alternative metal, and the band's primary influences include Aerosmith, Alice in Chains, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Metallica, Pantera, and Rush. So that's what I've got here for the uh, for the show for the album of the week here.
interesting. Very interesting. Good stuff. 1998. It came in after the grunge uh, was was hitting in the early 90s and the mid 90s. It came in later and has actually done well. Sally Earn is a smaller guy. I think he's like five foot six for a front man, but right. uh, smaller guy. Really good front man. Uh, but these guys, uh, I've liked them for a while now. I've got a I've got a bunch of their albums, but this was their debut that really every song every track is is really good on this uh, on this album but that's all i've got for for that all right um we've had some things come up uh like i said things are always changing with the college sports coming up so kind of follow the facebook page see uh updates on that stuff conference by conference what they're doing with their scheduling go twins go mets huh hey like i said last night the bullpen blew it but i still repping the colors today and that's what you do Awesome. I know how you Viking fans feel. Exactly, exactly. All right, join us next week uh, for our next show. Also, please leave your comments below and your questions, and also if there's any requests that the folks would like us to chat about. That's our show for uh, this week. week. We got a request for album of the week. Yes. Anything like that, just let us know. Thanks for listening. Once again, this is episode 33.